I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been in the field for well, well, well over 25 years. Like yeah. 40 years. Yes, we're old. Um, and <laughs> we're here to tell you a lot. Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of experience with things going right, things going wrong, things going okay. We've seen disasters. We've talked to clients who have um, hired people and gave them a huge deposit and never saw them again. So we're here to pass on our information to you. Right. The good, the bad, the foibles. And because we've been in the industry for a long time, we do have a lot of valuable information to to impart to you, to help you and your family create these ultimate wonderful backyards, um, the, but but to try to take a more realistic approach. Yeah, and in the easy way. So sometimes it sounds like what we're talking about is not the easy way, but trust us, it is. You don't want to start anything until you know where you're going, you've drawn it out, and then there are steps involved. But today we're going to talk about, um, because we're so close to spring, we're going to talk about spring planting. Yes. And um, also this changeable weather, because here in Northern California, we're in Sacramento, it's been t-shirt weather. We've been in the 70s. But guess what? Next week, where are we going, Michael? Oh, we're going, in fact, it says that in the end, towards the end of the week, the lows are going to be in the 30s, like 30 degrees, 32 degrees, which is weird because... Um, where we live in Northern California, everything, the trees, the shrubs, they're all leafing out. They're all beginning to bloom. They're all pretending like it's spring weather. And up until next week, it has been spring weather, but everything's going to take a nosedive. Yeah. And this is for people that have crops, um, fruit crops, nut crops. This is not a good thing because the trees are all in bloom. I mean, the pear trees, the nut trees, I mean, they're absolutely stunning. And yet we're only mid-February. So um, so if you have um, citrus still on your trees, which a lot of people do, you might consider if it's possible to cover them um, coming up with these freezing temperatures. Or else you're going to have frozen orange juice. Right. But we're also um, talking about starting seeds. We we talked a little bit about it, I think, last week, the week before last um with the cow patty pots and whatnot. And we don't want you to rush. We want you to stay inside no matter what it looks like outside, if it's in the 70s. This is a time to do your indoor seed starting. Absolutely. And, and it is deceiving because I have to tell you, I was at the nursery on the weekend and I was get I, I and, and my vegetable patch, which is um, a horse trough. It's about eight feet long and two feet wide. Um, is empty, you know, it's it's laying fallow. And I was thinking, maybe with this great weather, we should just start planting it. And and of course, my wife and I looked at each other and said, nah, nah, it's a little early. And I'm so glad that we didn't do it. But the initial reaction is, is that you should just go and start planting all those spring plants and starting, you know, planting, uh, putting in the seeds in the outside. And the reality is now with the change of weather, thank God we didn't. Right. So many people do that. They'll rush because the nurseries, you know, the, remember what the nurseries are bringing out, they've been grown in greenhouses. They, they're they not hardened off. And hardened off is a term that when seeds are grown and let's say they're you grow them indoors and then you put them out in a cold frame, you're hardening them off. You're getting them used to the cooler weather. So um, those that are coming from the nursery, those starts right now, 
they're, they're you plant them now and most likely the you know with this frost coming up they'll all die so you know i don't get too excited and just wait now um i want to talk about reviving seeds i don't know about you but i i have a a metal a metal can that's got all these seeds and some of them are quite a few years old so how do you know if they're still good well, I don't know. Good question. How do we know if they're, they're still good? How do you know? Well, here's a way to do it. You could take some wet paper towels and put the seeds in them and keep it wet. And in a few days, if they're good, they'll germinate. And if not, they're not. But it's amazing because when you buy a pack of seeds for, I think they're like three bucks now, maybe four. There's a lot of seeds in there. You know, you don't plant 70 um zucchini plants or 70 tomato plants you you plant a few and then you've got all these leftover seeds right and so um instead of throwing them out each year this is how you germinate them you put them in um wet paper towels in a in a kind of sunny place but not where it's going to dry them out and they should germinate in a few days some people some people take the wet paper towels and put it in the refrigerator but you'd have to look at that particular uh plant that you're growing so this is a definitely a time for recycling. We we want to really be sustainable and grow gardens and and use what we've got to And so my question to you is because again this is not my specialty. Um how how old can a can a, a seed be before it um it stops being viable? Well, let me tell you. They have um they have in archaeological digs, they have brought up amphora jugs that had wheat seeds and they germinated over 2000 years from 2000 years ago so <laughs> you never know um so that's exciting that's very yeah. yeah it's it's amazing seeds are amazing so um so just go ahead and and test what you've got cuz i know i'll get excited like every couple years and i'll order all these different seeds and then i get busy i put them in some do okay some haven't in fact i just ordered my home uh, soil test kit and um because i'm thinking this year i'm going to test my soil i'm going to get it balanced and, the, and it was only like 20 bucks you could do it at home and i am i'm going to take my seeds and i'm going to see first i'm going to put them in the wet paper towels the ones that are really old because I, I had someone that brought me seeds from um the Middle East and, you know, who knows what that is, but it'd be fun to grow. Well, that's so, exciting. Yeah. So we'll see what, um, what germinates. Now, also, there are bulbs. You want to talk about some bulbs, Michael? I, I Yes. Bulbs are something, you know, um, growing up, we, I, I'm originally from the Southern California area and, um, I never grew anything. I mean, you know, the bottom line is, which is very funny, until I came to college, I basically, if someone said, what's an artichoke, I looked at them like they were nuts. I had no idea how to grow them. I didn't know even how to eat them. And um, I've gotten into growing things a lot later. You know, um, even though I'm in um, design is something I love and and I went to school for design, um, the actual growing things. But in with design and aesthetics and everything, I was definitely into bulbs. And and it's one of the things that I really love because um, they give you such color and such drama. So, for example, in Northern California, it's closed now because it became too popular. There was a place in Northern California, Volcano, that's where it is, um, that they planted a whole hill, these hills with daffodils. 
and the daffodils kept um, germinating and they kept expanding. And so they called it Daffodil Hill. And we're talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands of daffodils. And people used to come every year. The problem was it became so popular that um, they started, there were too many people and they started to destroy the environment. So they wound up closing it down. And so I I've, I love bulbs, um, especially daffodils, narcissus are another favorite. And people ask me, well, how do you plant them? Do you line them up? The way I like to plant bulbs, especially in a more natural areas, I put a, a whole group of bulbs, same, into a uh, like a bucket. I throw them in the air and wherever they land, that's where I plant them. Because in nature, nature doesn't do straight lines, doesn't do squares. It, it's just all very random. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could do that. And um, but I, I would say with bulbs, I would um, do it in bulk. Don't just you know throw five bulbs out there. You know, right, you, right. You want, you want to have a show. But the um, those are spring bulbs, and those bulbs um, have gone in a few months ago. Right. So let's talk about like summer bulbs. Okay, there are iris. There's gladiola. Yeah. There's all. There's um, allium, which is from the onion family. There's all right. these wonderful bulbs that will um and dahlias so you could buy dahlias from they're not out yet but you could buy them when they're already in bloom but you could order them now you could get some of the most stunning dahlias and it's still don't put them in the ground yet but a lot of these nurseries and places that you order from they won't ship they know the zone you're in they won't ship them until they're ready to go into the ground and it's true. I mean, when when Roberta says do large masses of it, you know, we're not talking three, five, seven. We're talking about 30, 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, probably one of the, the most um, densely planted bulb areas that I did, which we talk about foibles. So I will tell the story. <laughs> um, we planted over 3000 bulbs on a hillside we we had created. We had designed this kind of a lake area with two waterfalls on a hillside that fed it. And um, we planted over 3,000 bulbs. And they were they all went in. It took, you put a little bone meal in the bottom and you planted them. Problem was, I had told the clients, you know, this place would have been amazing with swans. I just, oh, I, yeah. happened <laughs> I happened to say that as, a, as just a casual mention, you know, because it was very romantic environment. Well, as a surprise, they bought swans, two black swans. And the only problem is, first of all, they're territorial. Second of all, they're mean. So they, they when you go down to this place, uh, they would attack you. And third of all, they love bulbs. So they planted 3,200 bulbs. And after the the swans got done eating them, there were like three bulbs left. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, they ate all the rest of them. Ay, ay, ay. Not to mention they crapped everywhere, right? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, swan poop <laughs> is it's humongous it's like it's almost like dinosaur poop it was everywhere so they lasted about three months and then they gave it to a swan sanctuary um if there is such a thing but they told me they gave it away to a swan sanctuary and and for those of you that don't know that swans mate for life so um you know they 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 form attachments they get a, a partner and they mate for life so you know it's very romantic they're beautiful to look at they're mean and nasty they attack you they poop <laughs> like crazy and they eat your bulbs okay so there you go <laughs> now um yeah so 
again, do it in, you know, do it in bulk. I think Costco and, and many nurseries will sell um, daffodils, which again, it's too late to plant them yeah, um, yeah. in bags of 50, hundreds and so on. But um, if you, if you, if you really want some stunning, tall flowering plants, gladiolas are wonderful. They bloom and um, they're just amazing. And then the alliums, I haven't had great luck with them because I went to England and I saw them in every shape and size. And I went out and bought 17 bulbs and planted them in an area and um, they they never bloom, just the green. And they come up every year. So who knows, it might still happen. It's funny because I had the same experience. Oh. I had seen the alliums, thought that they were amazing, bought them and they were a major disappointment. Yeah. And, you know, there are... It's it's worth researching things like this because another beautiful, the most beautifully scented flower is the um, tuberose. Yes. And tuberose is very finicky about its soil. It kind of likes loose, loamy soil. So unless you have that, don't even bother. And you know what else is difficult? Delphiniums. Yeah. yeah. It, isn't that funny? They they are one of my favorite because I, I like true blue mm -hmm. and um, the delphiniums are gorgeous. But yeah, they if you're lucky to get them to bloom and if they do bloom, the idea of having them ever come back is like slim to nil. I know. What does come back, though, are foxgloves, digitalis. Yes. yes. And, and there's um, and there's a, a, a cousin of digitalis is digiplexus which is a little bit hardier. In fact, I actually have that in my own garden. I didn't have luck with my foxgloves as much coming back, but the digiplexus, which looks very similar to the foxglove, um, but it's a little different, um, that's much hardier. I'm on my third year and they bloom like crazy. Okay, I had one in a pot and it bloomed for a year or so and then I didn't see it again, but that was in a pot. That, the growing things in a pot are always very different than putting them in the ground, so. It's like, well, while we're talking about some of the favorite things and that do well, one of my most favorite plants and any of, if we happen to get listeners from back east um, and these thrive back east, not so much here, are peonies. Oh, and, I, was gonna think, I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. Peonies do so well back east and in California, not so much. And I remember the pride and joy that I had was I spent a fortune and I bought a tree peony and oh. I put it in my old house. And every year I got one, not 10, not five, not two, one bloom. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. It was incredible. But there was, it only had one flower. And I babied it. And like, like Roberta was talking about, she put it in a pot. I put mine in a pot and I babied it and I fertilized it and I talked to it. And it, it, it was alive, but I got one bloom out of it every year. Yeah, those tree peonies or bush peonies, they're, they're, they could cost you 50 bucks a plant, so it's expensive. But I had a client that divided her peonies, and she gave them to me, and for many years they bloomed beautifully. Now I just get one, so what I'm going to do, I have this underground monster, that's what I call it. I, I live in a place where I have trees that are over 50 years old, and their roots, they'll travel in anywhere they can find good soil and water, they will come up into my raised beds. So I'm thinking they could be having my peonies in a stranglehold. So I'm going to dig up my peonies and put them somewhere else where it's a little more loamy and, um, and see how they do. That's a great idea. Yeah, so we'll see. The only problem is right now is I have a cast on my leg and the weather's been beautiful, but I can't get around my knee. I mean, if I get down on the ground to, to plant, I can't get up again. So <laughs> we were talking last year about raised beds. And um, thankfully, this is only temporary and 
by the time I'm out of this will still be late spring. So um, that's something else you could do. If you do have plants, bulbs that aren't doing so well, could be they need a new location. Now's the time to dig them up. And, and it may be a situation, even if you're on a balcony or in a small condo and you don't have a lot of space, a big, not 10 little pots, but you can get one very large pot planter, maybe say three feet wide by three feet high, fill it with good soil and everything and plant your bulbs in that. And again, you can control your environment. You can fertilize it. You can move it around. If you've got a, if you've got a porch, you can move it around so it gets maximum sun. But that would be absolutely beautiful to be able to do that um, on a balcony, even if you don't have a big garden. Yes. And, you know, like I said, pretty soon um, you're going to see the dahlia bulbs. You'll see the ranunculus, um, which are gorgeous, the anemones. So it could be you start planting a pot. OK, so instead of planting anything, plan a pot. You want to have something that's evergreen, like maybe a little dwarf variegated euonymus and then something that's got more um, kind of spear like leaves, like a Dianella or a Jack Spratt Formium, and then plant your bulbs and then stick some alyssum in. And you're going to have a fabulous, fabulous planting pot. And, you know, whether it's um, they're a summer pot with with the um, dahlias or something a little earlier with ranunculus, it it'll be quite lovely. So that's another thing that you can do and plan. But again, don't put it outside yet. Right. Exactly. I, I broke down and I bought a citrus. I went ahead and bought a bear's lime. I'm going to put it in next week, but I'm going to have to cover it because again, you know, thinking that the weather was going to hold and stay nice and warm, putting in citrus a little too early, but you know, it, it was, I will tell you going to the nursery, the local nursery, um, and, and looking through the citrus, there were very few out there. I mean, they were totally picked over. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, we, we just brought some in and um, the all the nurseries sell uh, a, a weed, not a weed fabric, but a cover, a cover crop um, fabric. And it's, it's white or it's green. And um, it's something that's lightweight. And if you do have citrus or you are planting new, you might want to wrap it up like a mummy. And um, I know that you trained in England but so I don't know if you remember, but at some of the big gardens, they'll have like a tropical garden, you know, in before winter, they take straw and burlap and they wrap the plants up to keep them warm. Right, right. And they also are lucky. I mean, d depending on where you go, like one of the most famous gardens um, in the United States and some if, again, if we have listeners from back east is Longwood Gardens, they don't have to worry. They've got some of the most magnificent greenhouses that I mean, they're they're like football fields and they bring all of their their um, really um delicate plants in there their citrus and their their um their tropicals into the greenhouses and these greenhouses as i said are the size of football fields in during christmas that's where they they do all of their decorative christmas displays and their christmas trees are in these greenhouses and it's amazing and it's one of the things that i will tell you that is becoming more popular is um even on a small scale is the idea of having um, hothouses, greenhouses, um, solariums, um, and there, and the price is not outrageous. I mean, even in places like Costco, you can get a 10 by 10 nice size greenhouse, um, for like $750. Yeah. You can order them from Wayfair as well, all different sizes. But, um, again, you have to locate them 
somewhere where they're not in the full sun here in Sacramento, because remember right. it gets to 112 during the summer sometimes and anything in there is going to fry. But, um, you know, if you have a spot that gets um, afternoon shade, that would be great to have a greenhouse. And the same with the conservatory. If you're going to, if you're going to build something that's all glass, again, you got to make sure you're going to survive in it during the summer. So make sure you place it in a place where, um, you, you know, you're not going to fry. And make sure it's vented and you have fans and a lot of those, you know, if they put it in a place where it gets a lot of sun and they can vent it, you know, so vents are on the top, not on the sides. So the hot air rises. You also have shade cloth. Um, it's a web material that's see-through, but it takes out 70 or 90 percent of the, the uh, sun rays. You can drape part of that. I mean, you know, just throw it on there, but it's done professionally on the, the solarium of the greenhouse so that it cuts the amount of um, UV rays that come through. And, and But Roberta's right. I mean, those can it can get up to 150, 160 degrees if it's not properly vented and it's in too much sun. And not only will your plants fry, but if you walk in there, you know, yep, you'll fry. Yeah, it's another one of those romantic um, looking structures, but you have to make sure that you're in the right you have the right space for it and the right climate. Um, right. So like, I mean, you see greenhouses a lot in England, but you know, as, as uh, Roberta can tell you also is in England, I mean, it rains a lot and it's yep. foggy and it doesn't get as hot. It's not like a, uh, it doesn't get 110 degrees in the middle of summer. Right. I, one of my favorite shows, favorite, favorite, I watch it all the time. I watch it on Peacock. It's called um, Chateau DIY. And there are these people that buy these amazing chateaus. I mean, 40 rooms. One, one couple bought a second chateau that actually had a dungeon where they kept Joan of Arc. Old, but they're huge. And of course, the people have left because it takes so much money to keep them up. And they're pretty decrepit when these people buy them. They buy them for two, three hundred thousand pounds. Anyway, I was watching one, and they decided they were going to put in a beautiful geometric knot garden with lavender. So they brought in, I don't know how many little lavender plants. And I noticed that as they planted everything, towards the end, it started to rain. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. We can't do that. No. We don't have the water to do that. So in England, in so many magazines that you'll see with fabulous gardens, they're either from Europe or they're from back east. So really check if you want to spend the money to do something fabulous, make sure the plants will work in your area. That's a very good, good idea. And even back east, like my sister used to live in Wisconsin. And when I first went out there and I helped her find a house and then, you know, I also helped her landscape her place. But we were talking sprinklers and she goes, well, we don't have sprinklers. And I go, well, don't you need them? And no, because in the middle of summer, during the week, even in summertime, they would get showers. It would rain for an hour, hour and a half, you know, and then the next day it would be dry and the next day it would rain again. So the reality is in Wisconsin, where she was living, she didn't need a sprinkler system. A sprinkler system would be a waste of time and money because it always rained here in California. You don't have a sprinkler system or a drip system or some way to water. Um, a watering can's not going to cut it, especially if you've got a lot of plants. Um, your plants are going to just shrivel up and die. Right. You don't have a landscape. Well, so here we are talking about planting seeds, getting ready for the spring. Don't jump the gun. Do it indoors and um, do your planning now. 
and um, look what's at the nursery, but also do Google it. Do find yes. out. We live in zones that we have planting zones. You could do the USDA zones, or if you're in the Western United States, you can use the Sunset Western Garden zones. That will tell you the highs and the lows. And when you're looking at a plant to plant, a bulb to plant, it will tell you what zones they thrive in. And the most important thing to realize is no matter how low maintenance, there is no such thing as no maintenance. No maintenance is painted concrete and plastic flowers. We don't like that. But And no client ever says to me, and I'm sure they don't say it to, to you, Roberta, I want a high maintenance yard. The number one thing that everyone says is I want a low maintenance yard. Oh, I yard and I can yep. you look at them and you want to say duh I don't <laughs> know of anyone that says no I want to work I want to be a slave to my garden you yep. can plant smart that doesn't mean that you can you have to kill yourself but again don't don't expect that you don't have to do anything and your yard's going to look amazing right but you could pre you could pre like you know like we we're talking about if you put bulbs in they will come up at a certain time and, you know, you could, if you plan, remember, plan, plan, plan. Okay. Yes. Well, here we are on Friday, and um, it's beautiful out now, but prepare if you're in our area for um, some cooler weather. If you took off your flannel sheets on your bed, put them back on. Back on. <laughs> if you put away your down coat, get it out again. Get it out. I know. I was, thinking, I was thinking the other day, I thought, you know, we don't even need heavy coats anymore in this area, but... But anyway, I haven't put mine away, so I, I still have it out there. And I was thinking about my long underwear, uh, undershirts, and thinking, oh, I can pack those away in a box. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. And and thank you for reminding me about the weather, because there's they're going to still be in the drawers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that yet. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm Roberta Walker. and it's I'm Michael Glassman. And the two of us like to talk and kibitz and pass on information, and we're going to continue to do so. And we're called Digging Deep. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>